This is Wahasu, the World Happiness Summit. Feel the science. Good morning or afternoon, everyone. Good evening, wherever you're joining us from all over the world. We're so happy you're here. I'm Karen Guggenheim, uh, founder of Wahasu, co-founder of World Happiness Summit. And we are so grateful that you're taking the time out today to join us, Isaac. Some people have left the city. They have gone to the country during the pandemic. They decided, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with the urban environment, with the noise, with the pollution, with traffic. Some people have left. Um, this is a big decision. Some people are not go back, going back to work. Of course, these are pre people with privilege who can afford it, but I just give, there are many examples of people who have reconnected with their signature strengths and have asked themselves, what is going to be my legacy about? And I believe that that reconnection to your core being, the, maybe the basics that Tal is talking about, uh, that is what I believe fuels the courage and the bravery to do something we haven't done before, which is outside of the ordinary. Uh, so it's a matter of also scheduling time to reconnect with your focus. And when I do coaching and I I teach classes. Sometimes I am afraid that I come across as superbly boring to my students because I am very scheduled. You know, I, I love routines. You know, I love to exercise and I love my breakfast in a certain way. And I love to spend time with my wife. And But if you don't schedule it and you're not disciplined about it, just life vanishes and you are not intentional. So I think we have to help ourselves being intentional by being disciplined and building this small moment. So a small moment of reconnecting with values, passion and purpose can become a big jump, a big moment of making big decisions, I think. I just want to tie into what you all just said right now, in particular, what you mentioned, Isaac. So you know, on a personal note, I experience, I experience what you all are describing after a, a, a you know, tra personal tragedy. Um, and it was in the moment of purpose and meaning, you know, that I found the courage mm -hmm. to, to act. So I think it's important to understand that you can act before you feel. So you don't wait to feel happy to start doing these happiness practices, right? that you can really um, tying into your values, surfacing your values, what are your values? And that's what I was talking before that it's important to have the self-awareness and the training. Um, and, and for me, it was to really look at what I wanted my legacy to be and what I, I the meaning and purpose of my life and the meaning of the context of what happened in, our, in my family and also what I wanted the legacy to be um, for my children. And so I, I acted before I felt, and actually I was quite broken before for a, for a long time, but the bridge to happiness for me was purpose and, and meaning. 
And by acting, I started feeling and I started, you know, like copy, what do happy people do or what, you know, all these things that have been said here today. We are all kind of experts of our own happiness. So maybe for you, it's going to be quite intuitive and feel great to do the morning ritual of the journaling. For others, it might not. And it might be the dancing and it might be calling a friend or whatever it is that you're doing. Just try something. Something is going to make you feel better. I mean, I can guarantee you that. And the other thing is you will know what that is. And then just, you know, continue it because it will make an impact. You know, the small steps will eventually have a greater impact in your life and the, in the life of others. But you got to trust that, um, th that it will happen. Uh, I, I want to I make sure that we, we tackle this question before we go here, um, which I think is elemental. And we're asked this all the time. And, and please uh, jump in whoever wants to ask us, ask it, uh, uh, answer it first. The difference between happiness and joy, right? What do we mean by happiness? What do we mean by well-being? And then the, the, the emotion of joy. Can, can we make a distinction around that? Let's take turns in, in answering that. I think Tal's up first. Oh my goodness, Tal. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, so much of it is, of course, about the definitions. How, how do we define it? And people define joy differently and they define happiness differently uh, and well-being. Um, let me give you my, my two bits. And again, by no means the, the, the right and certainly not only definitions. Um, so joy would be more the, um, the emotion. Happiness to me would be more inclusive. So um, yeah, joy is absolutely a part of a happy life, but a happy life is also about uh, cultivating healthy relationships. Uh, it's about uh, mattering. It's about a meaning and a sense of purpose. It's certainly related to, um, uh, to learning and growing. That's part of, of who we are as human beings. You know, for me, the best definition uh, that I encountered is from um, Helen Keller, who's, who talks about uh, whole happiness as wholeness. In other words, looking at the full, uh, at our full nature, that is also about our emotions, and that's learning to deal with painful emotions. It's about cultivating joy and also about finding a sense of meaning and purpose and about learning and about cultivating relationships and about, of course, our, our, our physical well-being and, and, and so on. So happiness to me is more a, a holistic, WH, holistic uh, construct, multifaceted. There are different elements. Uh, joy is one of those elements. Now, one more thing about the multifaceted nature of happiness. Happiness is a system. It's one whole. When it comes to a system, there are many ways in. You know, Karen, you talked earlier about impacting our happiness through different, different measures, through different means, by trying things, by experimenting. You know, Mahatma Gandhi called his autobiography, My Experiments with Truth. Mm -hmm. He didn't call it my finding truth. He didn't call it my ultimate truth. He called it my experiments with truth. And this is the approach that we need to take, as you pointed out. We need to experiment, try things out, see what work. As much as you know, the, you know, the four of us emphasize research so much in our, in our lectures, in our, in our presentations, in our programs, even more so what we emphasize beyond research is me-search. And that is experimenting, trying, and seeing what works, and then learning from that. 
Well said, thank you, Tao. Maria. You know, I don't know that I have much to add, except that I have an intuitive sense that um, I can be happy with myself and my day having had a hard day because it's a day filled with meaning and progress and effort. It's not about delight, right? But joy mm -hmm. seems to me to be connected to um, permission to experience what I love and who I love, you know, that that my moments of joy are deeply connected to what, what infuses me with passion and what excites me. And um, they, are, they are more fleeting than these states of happiness or the wholeness of happiness. They, they, I, I find that I can't quite construct joy. Like I can't quite wake up in the morning and say, I'm gonna have mm -hmm. a joyful moment this mm -hmm. afternoon, but I can by attending to what actually excites and lifts and impassions me experience joy organically. So that's just sort of an intuitive understanding. Isaac, what, where are you at on this question? So I take a page from Paul Dolan, who is a British psychologist and economist. And Paul says that happiness is about balancing pleasure and purpose. And for me, joy falls more under the pleasure side, which is incredibly important. Uh, and Paul says we have to balance pleasure with purpose. I think this is in line with everything uh, we have said uh, uh, today. And for me, happiness is also encompasses pleasure, purpose, and different domains, as Tal was saying. Uh, and they are all interacting. And I couldn't agree more that when we're stuck, we have to experiment with uh, what am I going to uh, cultivate today? Interpersonal, occupational, physical, psychological well-being. And I think we shouldn't be afraid to try out and experiment things. And I really believe that we cannot, as, as Dolan says, just be purpose machines or pleasure machines. You know, we have to balance the two. It's very difficult to have a purposeful life when you cannot find the moment of joy and relish and delight and savor the moment. So I'm all about balancing pleasure and purpose. To me, I, I want to add that to me also, <clears throat> the purpose bit ties into um, sustainability, the sustainability of the happiness or, or the well-being, right? Because absolutely you cannot be happy or having positive emotion, joyful all the time. It's, you know, again, Tal, you've talked about that the only people that don't feel negative emotion are psychopaths or dead people. So you are going to feel quote unquote negative or challenging emotions. But I think that through purpose, through meaning, through altruism, through acts of kindness through the we culture through investing in these things that are more kind of like the cognitive parts of happiness as it were um it makes the opportunities for the positive emotions to happen more frequently you know and and again as societies we have a difficult time thinking in terms of sustainability would i mean look at the environment right we don't think about sustainability we think about quick gains, right? We, you know, and, 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 and short-term impacts. And so um, 
I think that the science of happiness, well-being in the way that we're discussing in here, which has to do with resilience, mattering, um, feeling valued, doing things for other people, those are, th that's like scaffolding to when life happens and also to the sustainability of feeling well, of tr trending. You know, you have the ups and downs, but in your, in your line of life, you're trending up. You're going to have downs because that's normal. But, but I think that, that in this framework, that's where the sustainability uh, kicks in. What do, you, what do you think about that? The sustainability aspect, how? Isaac, I saw, Isaac, Isaac, I saw that you were going to say something. Isaac. Yes, yes. So, so actually, uh, you know, in one of my, in our writings, I modified Dolan's definition. You know, he says you have to balance pleasure and purpose. And I add over time, mm -hmm. over time in different domains of life. Mm -hmm. um, so you can think about the interpersonal, physical, emotional, psychological, etc. And the way to make it sustainable is to make it actionable and to make it easy and repeatable, which is why sometimes I think I'm a very boring person because I schedule, you know, <laughs> my life is very scheduled. But to answer my own critique, I would say that my life is very rich because my, my life is full of good habits. Um, mm -hmm. and so what can we do um, to spread good habits? Mm -hmm. uh, and please notice, good habits are not against creativity. On the contrary, I think, you know, sometimes students say, I'm having writer's block. And I tell them, I don't believe in writer's block, right? So they, they get very upset at me. What do you mean you don't believe in writer's block? And I say, because if you schedule time to work on your outline and look at your outline and do some reading, there is always something that will emerge out of the action, as opposed to waiting from this divine inspiration. I'm not a divine inspiration writer. I think there are very few who are. So I tell my students, unless you're one of those one in a million, I recommend that you have an outline have a plan, take action, and that's how good writing happens, right? That's how creativity happens. You have to schedule time to be creative. You have to block out the extraneous interf interference so that you can dedicate time to be creative. So that's, that's how you sustain it. You schedule it, you create a habit, and you nurture it. Just to, to reinforce uh, what, what Isaac said, you know, the, there's a lot of research out there on procrastination, on uh, delaying uh, things, you know, till, till tomorrow and, and beyond. And um, what they found was that the main difference between procrastinators and non-procrastinators is actually the mental schema that they have, the, 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 the psychological model that they've internalized. Specifically, procrastinators, people who push things off, believe that inspiration needs to precede action. Inspiration needs to precede action. In other words, I first have to really want to do it and really be inspired to do it. And then I'll, you know, write my dissertation or write a book or, or you know, clean out the garage. Whereas people who don't procrastinate have the opposite mental schema. They understand that usually 
action precedes inspiration. You know, when I wake up in the morning, it's, it's rare that I'm just, you know, I can't get way out of bed and just, you know, get in front of my computer and write. Sometimes it does happen. But usually what happens is I get out of bed because it's a habit and it's a ritual. Just like I brush my teeth every day and I sit in front of my computer and I start writing a, a chapter. And then before I know it, usually I'm into it. It's the action that precedes the inspiration and that sustains not just action, as Isaac pointed out, it also mm -hmm. sustains psychological health. Once again, action precedes, um, precedes motivation or inspiration. Thank you, Tal. Uh, Maria, give us our, the last uh, bits of, uh, of wisdom here to send us off. There's a lot of questions about education. We can send those out. Um, Maria, can you just close us off? Yeah, I would love to illustrate what both Isaac and Tal have said with this personal anecdote. So I began writing one true thing, took two minutes, one minute every single morning since January 1st, one true thing. And from that, that action that was just mattering to myself, emerged some courageous actions out in the world, like using my voice on behalf of justice in new ways and so on. It sustained the energy to keep my health and well-being. So I'm in a much better place than I was December 31st. And I want to leave you with a poem quote from a poem by Rumi, the spiritual, it's called These Spiritual Window Shoppers, who wrote centuries ago, these spiritual window shoppers who idly ask, how much is that? I'm just looking. They handle a hundred items and put them down, shadows with no capital. They walk into the shop and their whole lives pass suddenly in that moment. Where did you go? Nowhere. What did you do? Nothing much. And then his challenge, even if you don't know what you want, buy something, try something, build in a practice, schedule your day, take an experiment with some element of happiness, buy something, be part of the exchanging flow, start a huge foolish project like Noah. It makes absolutely difference, no difference what others are thinking of you. I like to think of my life as a huge, foolish building of an ark for myself and those I care for. It's messy, it's smelly, things break, it doesn't always work. And, and I'm fully engaged with my life. So that's the invitation from the place of resilience and happiness and well being and mattering. Think of your life as a huge, beautiful, foolish, unique, particular significant arc. So beautiful, Maria. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tal. Thank you, Isaac. Thank you, everyone who joined us today. Um, what a gift to have all of you, um, I'll just say, in my life. I am so grateful to you. You have enhanced my life in ways that I cannot begin to, uh, to share with you or to be able to speak to you about. Um, it transcends and um, in the community here today, it's beautiful um, how you are the ripples that will make this world a better place and are making the, world's, the world a better place. You are what's possible. You are educators, you're mothers, you're fathers, you're business leaders, you're entrepreneurs, you're kids. And this world will be better, is getting better because you are here, because you showed up. And Maria, Isaac and Tal, um, the dedication of your life to this mission. I mean, the transformation that you have already brought to the world and are bringing now because 
because of your um, sacrifice at times and your contribution, we cannot thank you so much. So from the entire world, we say thank you. You're listening to the World Happiness Summit podcast. For more information, check out our website at worldhappinesssummit.com or send us an email at contact at Thank you for listening.